Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in Chicago. My name is Pastor Joel Hess, and it's my privilege to talk about Jesus and the hope and the peace we have in Him. Uh, please enjoy the following message. And if you like, uh, support the mission of God here in this area by going to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. When I was a kid, and we were on some long, is there a long dirt, is there a, I think I'm thinking Bob Seger song, actually, I'm sorry, I got that me going there, but a long, terrible road drive with the parents going back from grandma's or something, it must have been at least a half an hour in the car, I mean, it was awful. My parents knew just what to do if things were getting crazy and out of control, you'd stop at this particular place with the golden arches. And there, you would buy a Happy Meal to make all the kids happy. You know what I'm talking about? I talked to the kids today in the first service there, and I asked them, I thought around here in Lincoln Park, they, I figured they didn't know what a Happy Meal was. They probably have sushi for their uh, lunches. But uh, anyhow, they did, though. I'm glad to hear that, or sad, as the case may be. But uh, it's true, you know, as an adult, I oftentimes... Uh, you know, uh, with our kids, they're arguing, they're fighting, you know, and uh, you got a long trip, and they're going insane, they're driving you nuts, you don't want to reward bad behavior, but my goodness, you see the McDonald's, you're like, this will do it, let's go get a Happy Meal. Does it work though, parents? Getting that Happy Meal, does it make everybody happy? No. It lasts for a little bit, for a second, but even the ordering's crazy, what kind of, what do you want? What do you want in there? Do you want uh, chicken strips, you want blah, 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 and yet the argument ensues, right, of course. They get their happy meal, and for a second, it's joyful, and they look at their little toy, but within seconds, destroyed, everything's bad, they start fighting between toys, I want your toy, blah, 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 it all falls apart. The pursuit of the happy meal is a failure. But we do it time and time again, don't we? Just for those two seconds of happiness in our family. I almost think that the Happy Meal is a paradigm of the American dream. The American religion. The pursuit of the Happy Meal. I mean, it's really in our Declaration of Independence, right? Right? I mean, we founded the whole country and we we took up arms for the rights of life, liberty, and... The pursuit of happiness. Well, sounds just wonderful. There's a problem, though. What does that mean? What is happiness? Have you pursued happiness? Have you found it? Are you happy today? Will you be happy tomorrow? Who knows? The problem, I think, with that phrase And that sort of religion that is the American religion, I think, the pursuit of happiness, is that happiness means nothing. It's an emotion. It's a fleeting thing. It comes and goes. You can be in the greatest place of your life. You can achieve all the things you want to achieve. You can change your body, whatever you want to do, and you will find yourself unhappy. Jordan Peterson says in his 12 books for life, 12 rules for life, a great book, he says, happiness is a useless goal. doesn't mean happiness is bad, and I want to make you think that anytime you're happy, that's bad. I'm sure there's a lot of good German Lutherans out there that are like, preach it, pastor. There's too many happy people around here. 
But the pursuit of it, the goal in your life to be happy is a useless goal. I would suggest a dangerous goal, an unchristian goal. I'm going to throw this out. I know the title of my sermon is uh, All Their Gods Will Eat You Alive, and I'll talk about that later and see, you might see why, but I'd, I really want you to write down this. God does not necessarily want you to be happy. That's very important. God does not necessarily want you to be happy. And if you are happy, that does not mean necessarily that God has blessed you. Jesus knows a lot about happiness. He left all things happy, heaven itself, to indeed give us a true happiness. We see him today in the Gospel of uh, Luke, chapter 6. Luke, Jesus had been giving a lot of people happiness. He'd been making a lot of people happy. I mean, talk about a happy meal. Forget that. We're talking about people who have been unhappy their whole lives. They've been broken. They've been poor. They've been starving. They've been starving for attention. They have been lame. They've been sick. They have been blind. They have been... uh, uh, Possessed by demons. And Luke says this. He says, Jesus came down with these disciples. He chose his 12 disciples. He comes down on a level place. I like that language of Luke. That sense of coming down to be with people. To look them in the eye. God does exactly that in Jesus. He comes to us. Down to where we are. And Luke says... With a great crowd, there was a great crowd of his disciples, not just the twelve, but many that were following him, hanging on to his every word. And a great multitude of people, so people were just coming from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon, and they had come to hear Jesus and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured and in the crowd, there, they were, the crowd was trying to just simply touch Jesus because power was coming out from them and he healed all of them and he made them happy in a way they've never had before their whole lives. And if you back then were a person who were already happy, if you were a person back then whose life was going pretty well, you had no illness, you had no frustration, things are great then think about this, you would have never experienced the words, the hand of God as the poorest and the worst off did. See that? If you thought your life was great, you wouldn't be there with Jesus and you would miss the experience of God touching you, healing you, hugging you, lifting you up. You got to be poor to enjoy God's riches. You need to be broken to enjoy his fixing. And you have to be a sinner to enjoy his forgiveness. So Jesus had made the people happy, but then he goes on to speak. And he says things that really ran contrary to how people thought back then. And I would suggest it's it's how we think today. 
Because back then, if your life was great, if your business was successful, if your family was full, they would say you are blessed by God. God must bless you because you're happy. And if you are miserable and you're poor, you're a beggar on the street, you must have sinned. And that's why you're in that situation. You're not blessed. That's how they thought. That's exactly how they did their theology. That's how they thought. Jesus comes and he says something quite contrary. And it blew their minds for sure. Because many a Pharisee, who was a man of God, who was also just wealthy and everything's going well, who everybody looked up to, they heard these words. And it shocked them. Let these words shock you. And I want you to do this as we're going through this. He says these blessings, the blesseds. Makaroi is the uh, Greek there, and it really comes from uh, happiness is actually the root of that word. It's a word for happiness. So when Jesus says blessed, 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 he could be saying happy is. That's not a bad translation. I think there's more to it than that, but I want you, but there's definitely part of it, and I want you to hear it like that. He looks up at his disciples and he says this, Blessed are you who are poor. Happy are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. It's okay to be poor, is what he's saying. Happy are you who are hungry. It's okay to be hungry now. Now. Because you will be filled. Blessed are you, happy are you who weep now. Because you will laugh. Blessed, happy are you when people hate you. When they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. By the way, not because you're a jerk, by the way. I think a lot of times you hear Christians are like, well, they didn't like what I had to say. uh, Therefore, uh, I must be, you know, that's how it is. They rejected Jesus too. Well, no, maybe it's because you're a jerk. You don't know how to really speak. You know what I'm talking about? You hear Christians do this? Any Christians do this? Well, I'm being persecuted. No, you're kind of the way you talk. Maybe that's why they don't like you. It's not because you're talking about Jesus. So watch out for that, fellow Christians. Anytime someone thinks you're crazy, doesn't mean you're being persecuted. But what Jesus is saying is, when you are mocked, defamed, put down, laughed at, simply because on account of the Son of Man. The gospel message. The world thinks it's ridiculous that you should forgive people, by the way. The world thinks it's ridiculous that you should listen to everybody, anybody else besides yourself about what right and wrong is. Rejoice, Jesus says, in that day and leap for joy. Be happy when bad things happen to you, when the world hates you and you're not popular and things aren't going well. Be happy, he says, for surely your reward is great in heaven, which does not mean go up there and get it when you die. What that phrase means, it's safe. It's with God. You will have it. He will give it to you. It's safe in heaven. For that's what their ancestor did to the prophets. And then he goes on. This is very important to understand the full thing of what Jesus is saying here. So happy are you whose life stink. And then he says, woe to you who are rich. For you already have your consolation. The great reward and the great joy of life, you already got it. Have fun with it. It ain't going to last. Right? Then he goes on, woe to you who are full now. For you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. 
So you see the gist of what he's saying. Jesus is not saying, go and become poor, and then you will be blessed. It's hilarious because that's what people, Christians, have thought throughout the ages. They still do kind of talk like this. They think these are conditions to achieve in order to be blessed or to be happy. And that's why Jesus is not saying that. Especially when you hear those woes, you can see that he's not saying that. In Martin Luther's day, uh, the monks, they would, like, they would go off and they would literally become poor. And they thought that's a righteous thing to do. I'm going to now get rid of all my poverty, leave my family. They'd even leave their wives, by the way, and think they're doing something righteous because they're becoming poor and becoming hungry. They'd walk around begging for food. Talk about, quite frankly, an annoying religious bunch of people (laughs) knocking your doors asking for food. And you're supposed to think they're righteous. But you can see how they get this confused. And I I think we still do. Jesus is not saying, do these things in order to be blessed. He's saying, if you are in this situation, you are blessed by God. And it seems crazy because most people say you're not. But being hungry and being poor is not necessarily something bad. In fact, it could be the best thing that could happen to you. See, what Christ is saying overall is, if you are pursuing happiness, physical happiness commercial happiness, financial happiness in this world. If that is your pursuit now, enjoy it now because it won't be there in the future. You see? If that's your pursuit now, if that is your God now, it ain't going to last. So enjoy it now. Not only do we know that because pursuing these things never satisfies that's why the pursuit of happiness is just a senseless phrase. It means nothing. I think it's called more destruction in people's lives than anything else. The pursuit of happiness. Because it's fleeing and we never have it enough. If it's not Jesus that we are pursuing, then we will be, we will be sad. And we will be depressed. And we will lose. See what Christ is doing here? Um, Joe Theismann 1994 was getting divorced with his second wife and he was had, had an affair like for a whole year beforehand and uh, he's in court and his wife actually asked him why'd you do it why'd you do it why'd you have an affair with this lady for a year and Joe Theismann said God wants me to be happy and I, he wasn't joking and we think that is so disgusting right so selfish. You think God is just only thinking about you, Joe Theismann, and not anybody else like your wife who got hurt from all this. But that is the American attitude, by the way. That is the American Christian understanding of God. I really think most Christians think that's the case, that God wants you to be happy, as in now. I really think that. That God wants me. And we say it all the time, right? As parents, our kids might screw up or whatever. They might be doing something terrible even. I've heard so many parents say, well, at least they're happy. Even though they totally disapprove of what they're doing. Well, at least that makes them happy. Or a spouse or, a, or they're in a relationship and, you know, the parent is like, this is bad. She's awful for him or whatever. But it's always like, well, she makes them happy. We say that, don't we say that so often? Just to get along with people. Well, it makes you happy. Whatever makes you happy. We say that all the time. And that sounds, that's exactly what Joe Theismann's saying. Whatever it takes to make me happy. That's what God wants, doesn't he? We think that, don't we? God wants me to be happy in this world, and that's not true. Jesus just said so. 
It's okay to be poor. It's okay to be hungry. It's okay to mourn, to cry. That's not a bad thing. You know, the opposite of, I think, the false mantra, God wants you to be happy, or the false goal of life of pursuing happiness, which is, I think, a wrong goal. You'll always be let down. The opposite of that is avoid suffering. Those two axioms of American culture is what causes all problems in our society, is the root cause of our issues. The pursuit of happiness, no matter what it is, no matter who it hurts, and the avoidance of suffering. Suffering is bad, even to the point where that's why, that's why you have abortion. Because you, want, you don't want a kid to, to suffer or a mom to suffer. That's why. It's good. I get it. That's why. Pursuit of happiness, avoidance of suffering. This is lies. It doesn't work. Suffering, happiness can be the worst thing that could ever happen to you. Because like that happy meal, you'll discover that thing you pursued, that thing you thought would make you happy, that divorce, that affair, that cosmetic surgery, that job, any of these things, you discover, my goodness, I chased after it, and here I am, really no better off than I was before, unhappy. And the avoidance of suffering, suffering can be the greatest thing that can ever happen to you. Losing being without is not just a necessary evil of growing in life. It could be a blessing from God. Because it's then when you are poor and you are mourning and you are broken down and you got nothing. It is then and only then when your eyes are actually opened to see the only thing you can count on in this world is the promises we have in Christ. It is his forgiveness of our sins. It is the resurrection. That's the treasure. That's the only one that is safe and secure and provides not temporary happiness, but eternal happiness. Don't let the pursuit of happiness ruin your life. Take you away from God. Miss out on good suffering. And get obsessed with temporary successes. Uh, The title of the sermon is from David Foster Wallace, fantastic author, uh, who gave a commencement speech at Harvard. Maybe it was MIT. And uh, he said something like, um, he said, there are no atheists. Everybody worships something. I love that. Everybody worships something. They might not call it a God or divine external being, but it's something that they worship. And he said, you will worship something. The question is, what are you worshiping? Because if you're worshiping money, and this is how we always say that. If you're worshiping money, it will eat you up. You'll never have enough. You will never be satisfied. You will never be happy. If you worship your career, as he's talking to his college graduates, I'm going to do this and this and this. If that's what you worship for happiness in this world, you'll never be done. You'll never be satisfied. If you worship your body, which I think is an American problem, how you feel in your body, whether you your body matches your feelings. And I'm talking about everything. We talk about, we talk about uh, Caitlyn Jenner, right? How shocked everybody was when Bruce Jenner went to Caitlyn Jenner. He changed himself to be happy. And we laugh and conservatives are like, oh, that's crazy. 
We all do this. It's no different than what we all do to ourselves in different ways. Change our physical reality, change things around here, pursuing that happiness. Only to find we don't have it. And, and uh, so David Foster Wallace said, all these other gods that you're, ch- that you're chasing after will eat you alive. They'll consume you. Because you're never done. You'll never be full. You'll never, your thirst will never be quenched. Only Christ, only that God did not come to consume you or to make you chase after him but came to actually give us real happiness, forgiveness of our sins, and eternal life. And because we have that, you do have that. It's a treasure and it is yours. Because you have that, you don't need to be obsessed with being happy in this world. That's really important. You don't need to have everything go right in your life. We don't need that. It's okay for things to go poorly and things not to go well in our life as Christians. It's okay not to be happy. Because we have everything in Christ, we will be okay. It will be all right, as he told those people. Blessed are those poor, the hungry, the weeping, because they will laugh, and we will laugh. And because of that, we can deal with dissatisfaction in this world. We don't need to change our whole environment, change people just to make us happy. Chase after the perfect this or the perfect that, because we have everything in Christ. And that, I think, gives us a real deep happiness, a peace that helps us to deal with the lack that we have. The sins, of course, that we have. We don't need to have everything to be happy. We have Jesus. And that is everything. And in light of that, that gives us a happiness and a certain peace and a certain deep joy that nobody can take away and that is there for you no matter your situation. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.